water. I love to see sunlight glistening off the ocean or hear a creek tumbling gently down the mountainside. I take it for granted that water is at my fingertips for drinking and washing. While I'm often quick to complain about the taste of the water when it com that comes from the tap, I don't question its purity. I don't even mind the rain as long as I can escape it into dry clothes and a dry house. Water. When I see pictures of people being rescued from trapped cars or hillsides of mud moving houses from their foundations, I am reminded that water can bring death as well as life. The people of Israel, a desert people, knew both the gift and threat that water was for them. Yes, there had been water from the rock and the, to save them in the wilderness, but there must also have been flash floods that brought down water crashing on, on the unaware, leaving death in its path. Today we celebrate the baptism of Christ, and baptism provides an important frame for the Gospel of Matthew, kind of bookends at both ends. Jesus' public ministry begins with his own baptism, with the voice that confirms his vocation. And at the end of Matthew's Gospel, when all has been said and done, there is one last word from the risen Christ, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The disciples get their marching orders, the church's marching orders, our marching orders. What happens in this story and what happens in our story and how are the two connected? We've met Jesus before in the Gospel of Matthew. We first learn of his family history, both of the big names, like King David, and the mystifying ones, like Rahab the prostitute. Then comes his wondrous conception and birth, with visions in the night and angelic voices, and then nothing more, just the silence, until he shows up as an adult at the River Jordan. Cousin John is there baptizing repentant sinners. When Jesus approaches the water, he and John have this awkward conversation. <clears throat> this is important. Matthew wants all his readers, to, us included, to understand that Jesus does not need to be baptized to repent of his sins. Even John recognizes Jesus' superiority as he protests that it is Jesus who should be doing the baptizing. Then comes this mystifying statement. Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. One writer comments on the passage this way. It's hard to know who us is. Whether the us is you and me, John, or Jesus speaking in kind of a royal plural, or even us readers together with Jesus hardly matters because central to the us is Jesus himself. He is articulating the core of his program as Matthew understands it. He brings the righteous rule of God 
first as gift, but also as calling. Don't be put off by the word righteousness. Many of us get a little twitchy and nervous at its sound because it feels too close to self-righteousness. Self-righteousness smacks of false piety, of superiority and separation. A truly righteous person lives a life that does not separate people or judge them, but draws them together in an atmosphere of acceptance and trust. Jesus has come to bring God's gracious rule to fulfill the age-old hope for the renewal of creation, and God confirms him as God's beloved son. This stamp of approval gives us confidence that we can trust what Jesus will proclaim about God's love for us. As Matthew's gospel unfolds, we will confront a new kind of kingdom, a new kind of king. Like the servant spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, he will bring forth justice and establish the reign of God, not through force, but by peace, not by violence, but by meekness, gentleness, and humility. We will not hear of victorious armies, but of healings of body and soul, of reconciliation and of love. In his words and actions, he will proclaim righteousness, both as victory over evil and the establishment of justice. As king of righteousness, he gives his gift, the gift of his righteousness healing and wholeness, and he summons us who are citizens of his realm to live in righteousness. In order to bring God's gracious rule, Jesus submits to baptism, identifying himself with all those people out there by the river, all those people facing God's judgment, all those people needing to repent, all those people and us. Jesus identifies with us, with our humanity, to share our life and our death, and to bring us to new life. And when we are that dimly burning wick that Isaiah spoke of, God doesn't snuff us out, but shelters us and nourishes us with God's grace and love that we might burn brightly and let our light shine before all and give glory to our Father in heaven. Through our baptisms, we have been adopted into the very life of God. We have been commissioned as agents of righteousness, of healing and wholeness, love and grace. We have been given a mission, a lifelong vocation to heal broken relationships, forgive others as we have been forgiven, and reach out to others as God has reached out to us. Baptism is not once and for all something done and forgotten about, but once and for always. We spend all our lives as Christians living into our baptisms. This is year A of our lectionary, the year of Matthew. In this year of Matthew, listen to Jesus' words and consider carefully Jesus' actions as he comes to fulfill God's plans. Join me in trying to learn something new from Jesus, in allowing myself to be surprised by Jesus, 
in remembering that Jesus came to fulfill God's plans, not ours. God's kingdom won't always look as we might expect it to, but if we pay attention, we might be granted moments of vision, glimpses of a reality we could never imagine, and we might begin to live into our vocation that is both gift and calling, our vocation as the baptized, as Christians, the people of God. Amen. Amen.